this fucking Google, Julie. I'm... Why wouldn't a search be included? That's what makes us a great duo. Yes. One of us listens, one of us doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes scary, but always fun. Yeah, you're never sure if you should take your hands off and put them up in the air or hang on tight. Uh, read my fucking headline, Bozo the Clown. I'm already a best-selling author. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos, everybody. You have Corey Harris here and Julie Traxler from SB Pace and BizQuick Podcast. And we're here on this show today to talk to you, small business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs, about the successes and failures of being an entrepreneur. We're here to provide insights and give you help that you need to become more productive in your business. This week, Julie and Corey are going to go uh, deep on a into personal responsibility, a value that many people seem to lack, but one that you must have in order to reach success as an entrepreneur. Uh, on the second half of the show, it's uh, Julie and Michelle Fuller. They had a private interview conversation <laughs> without me. It wasn't <laughs> private. You were just tied up. Yes, um, that you're going to get to hear that recording um, after uh, Julie and I um, do the front half of the show. How are you doing today, Julie? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling it lately. I am too. I am like, uh, there's no, there's no end in sight. Can I just, can I go on a quick rant? Sure. Oh my God. I I feel like this is, this is the safe zone, right? I can just really, can I harp on another individual? Sure. It's not you. Okay. I want to talk about people's leadership skills and how, some people are just, they shouldn't be leading anything. They're so awful as human beings that you're just like, I don't even like you. I don't want to stay away from you. And I've encountered such a person that I have to regularly engage with. This is not a, well, it is technically a client, but it's a client of not SB Pace, of my own company. Um, my A company that I have a loan, right? And um, this dude is... He's off the charts nuts. And he takes credit for everybody else's work. He can, you know, here's the number one thing he does. He constantly cuts people off in meetings and takes over the entire meeting and lets no one else talk. Uh, Cutting me off is like, like cutting me off when I'm speaking is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like it it, it just let me finish. It happens from time to time. Mm -hmm. I understand that. But like if it's, I can never finish a, a sentence while you're around. Fuck you. Yeah, you just stop talking. Like, I literally just put myself on mute and stopped talking. And I finally told him on Friday, why don't you just run all the meetings? Like, I don't even need to participate. Like, just run the meetings. I don't care. It's clearly more important to you than it is to me, and you know more than I do, obviously. Obviously. Even though, you know, I'm an expert in that area. But whatever. Do your thing, man. So let's talk about... Let's talk about personal responsibility. Let's talk about whining. I mean, today's show is actually called The Responsibility is Yours. Stop fucking whining. Okay. People whine, man. People do whine. You encounter it a lot? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, quite a bit. Um, Are you hesitant to talk about it? Well, no. I mean, is it me? No. Yeah, I don't want. Um, you know, as you know, Julie, I own a restaurant. I've heard. Th- I've yes. heard rumors. Rumors. Rumor on the street. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, not. Not only is it like, uh, the, like the whining I don't like, but it's it's also like the people like people who like try and make it a competition or you know whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like, uh, come on. Like, we're all, everybody's struggling in their own way, you know, uh, and, and like, I'm not very good at, at uh, as I've stated many a times, at positive feedback, and in one of my servers the other night, it was just like, hey, you know, I'm just uh, wondering, like, uh, you know, how are things going, how am I doing, like, he's looking for feedback, and I'm just like, dude, you're, you're doing just fine, we're all overworked right now, we're all tired, we're all new to this, you're doing just fine. And he's like, what? And I'm like, dude, that's all I have to tell you. Like, the building hasn't burned down yet, so this is a win. Like, <laughs> Did you pet him? 
No, <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that anymore, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> God, times have changed. They have changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about this, and I don't remember if we talked about it on the radio show, but you were really honest with people, very, very transparent when you were hiring. Like, dude, don't come to me for positive feedback. No news is good news when it comes to me. If you need somebody to tell you're doing a good job, Go to go to the front of the house manager. Don't come to me. Yeah, exactly. And then we had somebody complain the other night because I don't support her emotionally. Or Man, send whatever. her my way. I can talk to her about <laughs> emotional support, Corey. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> you like it doesn't matter how many times you bring that to my attention. That's not changing. Yeah, it really isn't. <laughs> and now it's just getting awkward. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, people are people like to have. Um, they like to have people like feedback, though. Yeah, they do. Um, but, I mean, if if you were honest up front where it's coming from, then you gotta be you gotta be honest about it. Yeah, exactly. But um, but so how does this guy who uh, takes over conversations, mm-hmm. um, how's this like uh, connect to personal responsibility? Well, well, there's a couple of ways that this particular gentleman connects to personal responsibility. The first one is that. Anytime he has the opportunity in front of a client or even just the internal team to blame someone else for a problem, he does it. He throws the team under the bus all the time, which is just, you know, come on, that's leadership 101. It's no accountability, no responsibility for his own shit. Um, When he, I called him on taking over meetings, right? Literally, there is a series of meetings that I own. And they, it happens twice a week. And last week was the first week that we had the meeting, the meetings every Tuesday and Thursday. And the meeting on Tuesday, he lasted exactly 75 seconds before he took over the entire meeting and I never spoke again. It's an hour-long meeting, Corey. The meeting on Thursday, before the meeting, he literally promised, I will not speak. I will not take over the meeting. I promise. I will not. How long do you think he lasted? 90 seconds. Three minutes. Three minutes. And then he took it over. And when I called him on it, I called him on his shit. Do you know what he said to me? No. Well, you were missing things. So I had to take over. I was like, in three minutes? Cool. So how about in the future? You just run the fucking meeting. I don't care. He sounds amazing to work with. Yeah. He's a a treat, man. He's a treat. So... You know, there's one, like, listen, I know there are a lot of, like, you call me when I, when you feel like I'm micromanaging anything you do in SB Pace, you call me on it. You'd be like, I don't need to be micromanaged. If you want to do it, fucking do it. Shut up. And I'm like, you know what? I really wasn't looking at it as micromanaged, but you're right. I can see how you got there. Let me knock that shit off. I'll own it. When I mess up, I own it. In fact, a lot of times you mess up and I own it. (laughs) I'll never mess up. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, like, taking, being accountable for your own stuff and recognizing, like, where you're not good or where you need some help, that's a big part of being an entrepreneur or being a successful leader. Or just an adult. It's really just an adult. (laughs) Like, when it, but especially, like, when you're talking about being a leader or an entrepreneur, just displaying that it's okay to a make mistakes and b that uh you know taking ownership of them is just as important as like taking ownership of the wins like like you 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 need to recognize where you win and recognize where you lost and uh, yeah people people they don't they don't the first thing that they try to do is they try to shift blame. They try yeah. to, and, and it's not even necessarily to another person. It's, oh, because this happened. Oh, the supply chain or whatever. I mean, we've seen it, especially with the pandemic, like every, not every, a lot of businesses out there have just used it as an excuse to continue to just provide shitty service or shitty, you know, products. And it's like, oh, you know, COVID, oh, that's over. Like, yeah, the supply chain. <laughs> we won. Yeah, so the supply chain's still messed up right now, but you can do things, you can still be an adult about it and not just say, oh, sorry, supply chain, next. Like, like yeah. th- th- there's there's ways around it. There's ways to just be a responsible human being and not, not and, and just, like, put your pride and your ego aside for a minute. Mm-hmm. 
which exactly. people have a hard time doing for whatever reason nowadays. Oh, they really do. People really do. We've just created a, a, a society of losers. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, I blame social media, as most things I blame social media on. But the, um, uh, the, the, the problem is that it's just like, uh, again, like the people who who don't take ownership and it's uh, like, like you're just a loser because you need to know for yourself. Like you need to, you need to be proud about what you do and not care about what other people think about it. And you just need to put that pride, like put the actual like external pride aside and be like, yeah, I don't care if somebody thinks lesser of me because of anything, you know, like it's just put it aside and just say, okay, I I know that I can sleep well tonight because I did a good job. And, and that's, uh, and I didn't have to blast it all over social media or uh, anything like that. It's just, you know, I, I did the right thing today. You know, I'll sleep just fine. Yeah. Well, so listen, if somebody is not great at taking responsibility, like, are there, is that, like, how does one improve at that? Like, how do you get better at that? If I, you know, there are things where, listen, everybody in every area of our lives, everybody has an area in their life where they're just like, they're not great at it, right? It's like you can make excuses for yourself all the time. And maybe it's an area that it's not really public-facing. A lot of people don't see it, right? So it it could be, you know, health. It could be, you know, fitness, working out. It could be, you know, just basically maybe you binge-watch porn. Maybe you, like, you're drinking too much. You're, you know, taking, you know, way too much, uh, like maybe you take, maybe you abuse ADHD drugs. I don't know. Like every, were all of those directed at me? No, none of those were directed <laughs> at you. None of them were directed at you. Right. But we all have, we have those, those spaces in our life that we would prefer other people don't know about. And where, because nobody else knows about it, it's not public facing. It's really easy to not have, not be responsible, take responsibility for it. So how do you how do you flip that switch to become more responsible even just to yourself? Just quit being weak. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a weak-ass bitch, exactly. Corey. <laughs> it's um, two weeks in a row where we hit on that. I know. I um, didn't get to participate in that conversation last week, though. Yeah, you didn't. I didn't, but can we just say it? Sure. For the record, you were the last person on the fa- planet Earth that I would call a weak-ass bitch. The last. And just because... We've got, we know somebody who did call you that. It actually makes me think much less of that person. Yes, as it should. Yes. Um, well, so I don't know. There's a couple of different things in there. The The first, it's interesting, uh, like where I, when you're as a leader, when you're dealing with employees, mm-hmm. you need to be very transparent about your expectations, about uh, everything that that there is in the business because your employees will bring baggage from their last job to your business. And, you know, just like any relationship, you're going to bring your baggage to the next relationship and the – you you have to you have to help kind of unpack it sometimes and and retrain them and get them to trust you and believe in you and because it we've all worked for horrible bosses I'm sure and you want me to give you a list <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and you go to the next one and you're like I ah, certainly you know, and you, and you you still have those the, you still act like you're working for that horrible boss when you go to the mm-hmm. next place and it, and it takes time. And, and so like, I mean, that's a a kind of a two way street is that when you go to a new, you know, when you start something new, you need to be open minded and, and realize that you're not, you know, working for the same thing. And then as a, as a boss, like it's, it's, you're going to have to take time to work through some things with people to get them to where you want them to be, to get them comfortable around you or, or, you know, hopefully comfortable around Mm -hmm. you unless you're a dick and you're, and you're well aware of it, in which case keep on doing that. Um. <laughs> right. But that's not, so just like, but when you're looking um, internally, right? Like I don't, you know, you got stuff that you don't, you just need to up your responsibility game. Right. How do you, how do you do that? What do you do? I don't know. I, I don't know like uh, what to tell people. Like, I, cause I mean, this isn't like, uh, I feel like I'm very, 
I'm I I'm very good at taking responsibility for what I do, and that you know if I set my mind to something, I generally do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know I'm fifty minutes late to a meeting because a bunch of other things got in the way today. I <laughs> you communicated. Yes, you are. You are. In, listen, all joking aside, like. Our lives are on full tilt right now, right? We've got, you know, two businesses together. You've got a restaurant. I've got my own business. We got a radio show. We got a podcast. And we still have found a way to not make any excuses for knowing that the work has to get done, right? We still continue to do the work. And shit has been really, really hard lately. Really hard um, for both of us. And I, uh, my, I made a personal promise to myself that I was not going to do anything to make your life harder as you were going through this huge transition of getting the restaurant up and running and having all of these people that now are working for you and all of this money on the line. The last thing that you need is me dumping more shit on you. And so when you are, you send a text and you'd be like, I'm running late. I'm like, okay, well, how can we accommodate this, right? Sometimes it's hard when, like, you know, there isn't a sarcasm font or an angry font or a, like, cool font on. You can do all caps. Oh, well, all caps is angry, yeah. right? But so, you know, I guess, you know, we we operate by the rule of assume good intent. So, you know, I'm like, if I'm pissed, I'm going to tell you, but I'm not going to get pissed about. Like, hey, my schedule is flipped right now. I know that you've had a lot of really weird things happening re- the last few days. So, I'm like, I, I, I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, this is part of the reason that I got so angry last, like, literally, Corey, when that dude took over the meeting. If you're, if we're on a, if there's a scale of, you know, completely peaceful and relaxed is one, and aggressively anger is ten. Angry as 10. I was pegged at a 17 on Thursday. I literally could not fucking speak to people because I was so angry. So I'm like, I'm not, I can't invest emotion into shit that I just cannot control or also that's just stupid. So like you like being late, it doesn't even register because I'm like, first off, you have like a lot of fucking capital built up with me. And second off, I understand and this is not like a uh, self-deprecating thing. Like, of all the things happening in your world, one through ten in priority is the restaurant. Correct. And so maybe one through fifteen. <laughs> I, that, I literally have like no other priorities right now. <laughs> right. So, and that's not personal. It's not like I'm less important. Yeah. And it's that this is a big thing. So you got to accommodate that and. So that you being late is not, that's not you being less responsible. Oh, it's I, you actually being really responsible for this thing that's super important. Yeah, I know. And, I know. And I do communicate. It's not like I'm just dropping things. Well, you are, yes, you do communicate. <laughs> well, like I said, like when I'm going to be late. Yes. But. Yes. There's nothing more frightening than getting a text from you that says, oh, I don't know. I haven't read any email in a week. And I'm like, oh, my God, you have. I didn't another say this. in a week. I said I haven't re- looked at any emails this weekend. No, you said this week. I said this weekend and I'm going to look it up. But continue while I do this. <laughs> you, This is folks. This is exact reason that like this is what makes Corey so amazing. He's. He does not like to be wrong. I haven't checked any email all weekend. On my end, it came across as all week. Oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> and this is the problem right there is that I, Julie. Ass- did, it, did it really? Now I'm going to look at my phone. Julie assumes intent and says, oh, he hasn't done anything all week because no, no. she thinks that I haven't done anything all no, week. No, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that you haven't done anything mm-hmm. all week. But. I, I did not say that. I said weekend. Because it was a crazy weekend. Because I'm working 16 hours a day in the restaurant. Oh, I haven't right checked now. an email. You did say all weekend. Yes, I know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I owe you an apology. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, 
Look at that. You know what just happened? I took accountability. What? What? Yeah. It's that easy, folks. It really is. It really is. Hey, let's. I want to talk about forgiveness a little bit. Okay, I forgive you. I didn't do anything, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so you know, I we we're recording this in the opposite order, right? So I've already recorded the interview with Michelle, and we had this conversation. And I'm very curious about this with with you. And I thought this might. I, I asked her, and this might seem like a really ridiculous question. But how do you know when you've truly forgiven somebody? Like how like you know we can say like oh, I forgive you, but then like how do you know if you've really truly forgiven them? What did they do to you? Um well it could be I mean it could be anything, but let's say that somebody really really wrongs you. They just really Is hurt this, you. Well so I mean uh professionally, emotionally, not necessarily professionally. So, so like a personal relationship. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, how do you know when you're actually forgiven somebody versus, because there's the, I just don't care. So like, fuck you. I'm not going to talk to you. That's not really forgiveness. No, that's, that is not. Like, I don't think if you looked up the definition of forgiveness, that would be anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. So I... I told a story when I'm talking to Michelle and I'm not going to, I'm just going to tease it out here a little bit um, in that I told a story that really not very many people know. Right. And I was curious, like, how do you know, like something personal that had happened to me where I'm like, I think I've forgiven the person, but how, how can I be really positive that I've actually forgiven? Like, so there have been people in your life that have wronged you. How do you know when you've forgiven them versus just fuck you'd them? Um, like, what's it feel like for you personally? I, I I don't know how to describe it, but it's like when it, like if you are around that person, it doesn't feel awkward or forced. It just feels like it's kind of natural. Um, like for instance, our good friend Bill Bolton of BB Insurance. I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> yeah. I knew uh, you were, this but, is a great example, though. But he's he's one of my best friends, and uh, we were great friends. And then it's just it went south. Um, did he spit on you or something? Yeah, he did. Uh, spit food on me, and then I fired him, or I fired him, and then he spit food or whatever. And th- that does that doesn't matter. But I didn't speak to him for six years. Um, uh, but he was persistent. And then finally, like, it was like, all right, whatever. And then, like, had a phone call. And then, it's like, whatever. We're back to normal now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've forgiven him for that instance. But, again, we were 24. Yeah. So, it was 24 and drinking. Yeah. But, I mean, there were many things that had led up to that where I was just like, but, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street as well. But Sure. Um, it, yeah. I, I think it's just like it, it, it doesn't feel like you're forcing anything when you've forgiven them. Okay. So I think, you know, sometimes it's a, I, I tend to think you, in some instances, you forgive much faster than I do. And in other instances, it's much, much slower, right? Like you're, I remember once we had a conversation and it might've, I think it might've been on the radio show. We were talking about if somebody breaks your trust, like, fuck, it's over, Right, like you're like I'll never forgive them ever. Well, no, it's not that I'll had a conversation today, but it's it's really easy to gain my trust. It's very hard to get it back if you lose it. That doesn't mean I hold anything against you personally. It's just I don't, might not trust you. Um, so you know, for me, that's they, they, those are two different things. It's not like I can forgive you and be like, yeah, you know, I understand, but I'm going to be watching every watching you every step from now on. Um, so that's, you know, two different things for me. Mm, okay. Okay. I'm a, um, what I like to call an emotional amputator. Yeah. <laughs> I will cut people off and not look back. But also I think for me that's, it's a, that's why maybe I, I question like, how do you know if you've truly forgiven somebody versus if you just like, I just don't care. Like you're so unimportant to me. Like you don't even register. You're not on my radar. Like, I don't at all. And I think, you know, in the business world, 
this is important because people can, you know, screw you over or something. And it's like, do you forgive them? Or like we, you know, in the fairly recent past, we got ripped off by somebody. Yeah. You know, do you see yourself ever forgiving that person for doing it? Or do you just say, yeah, forgive you, don't care, but I'll never trust you again and I'll never do business with you again. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of where I am. I had, you know, the the build-out was a nightmare and I'm stuck being a partner with that person and it's like, we're, we're friendly. I've got nothing against him personally. I'm just never going to use his business again right. to do anything. Yeah. It's like I can want, I, I can want the best for you. I can... Maybe even give you, like, advice, but I probably will never... Like, the friendship is different after that, where it's like, ugh. you know, but I don't want I don't want people to fail. So it's just it's just an interesting discussion. But anyway, we talk about forgiveness in the, the interview with Michelle, and, you know, I still... I feel like I know when somebody's truly been forgiven for me, but I also feel like it's a little bit of a harder line for me sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm more just along the lines of I don't still really care. I know. Pro, pro or con. I'm just, yeah, whatever. Let's just move on. Yeah, says it like let's move on from this conversation. I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of moving on, we are running out of time here on this first half of this segment. So uh, be sure to, I don't know. I don't, how'd you close out the last one? This Why don't we just say this? Stay tuned for we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back you can hear my interview with Michelle Fuller. Hey everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. All right. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm a little bit pumped because I have one of like the most amazing females on the show today. And this is pretty exciting because I've not known Michelle very long, but today we have Michelle Fuller. She is a transformational coach. She is lives the brand of one bold MFR, which, you know, double entendre, entendre there. And she is a speaker. So she's just, she has a lot of valuable insights, especially for women who are trying to make big changes in their lives and find themselves stuck. And hence the name of our episode today, which is all about taking responsibility and stop fucking whining. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, darling. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. You are a, um, you're one of those people that when you enter a room, the room gets brighter all the time, right? You're just, Aww. you're you're an extraordinary individual and um, one of the people that I consider myself blessed to call friends. So uh, before we dive into all the questions and the insights we can give l the listeners, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I started my own personal journey about five years ago. I was a master at avoiding anything that caused me any kind of discomfort in life for real. <laughs> it's why I'm so passionate about personal development and self-help at this stage of my life. And just to give your listeners a little bit of uh, information as well, I was 41, 41 when I started this journey 
And I just want to be clear, it's never, never too late to bet on yourself and start doing the things that are going to make your life better. Never too late. Such a great, such a great reminder. We start to, at some point, I think we start to think that um, we're too old and we start to, at some point, like things become scary again, right? Remember you're little, like new things were a little bit scary. And then as you grew into an adult, they became less scary, right? You would like take these risks or chances. And I can remember, like I used to ski, downhill ski all the time as a kid. And as, you know, in my early adult life, I would ski all the time. I love skiing. And then I didn't for years and years and years. And it was probably like 2018, maybe, maybe 2019, 18, 2018, I decided, I called up one of my old friends and I said, let's go skiing. And so uh, during like the new year, Christmas break, we went uh, skiing. We went to Camelback Mountain up in the Poconos and I was terrified. I'd never been terrified on skis before. And all of a sudden I was terrified. I was afraid of breaking everything. Like I didn't want to fall. And I thought to myself as I was, you know, painstakingly slowly making my way down the first hill when did I get so fucking scared? Like, when did that happen? And how do I stop it? Because it's not, it's not cool, man. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bode itself for having a really big, exciting, fulfilling life if you're fucking scared all the time. Yeah, we've been systematically trained to buy into that fear. We've been taught to listen to it. Our brain is there for a reason. Well, for several, but let's be clear. Our brain loves to keep us inside our comfort zones. That's what it's built for. Anytime you have a thought that is new, that is exciting, your brain is going to immediately throw all of this shit at you, trying to convince you that you shouldn't do it. Because even though that idea of your better self, that better life, that incredible relationship, maybe a different job. Those things are things that you want, but if it's outside your comfort zone, just know that all those fears, all of those stories about who you are, they're all going to rise to the surface. Just remember, it's very, very normal. Everyone experiences that. The question is, are you going to go beyond it? So what are some tools that people can use to move past it? You know, this, this conversation is really about taking responsibility. And I feel like that has been the most pivotal thing for me. It was the key to the change that came really and truly until you take responsibility for what you think, what you do and how you show up in life, nothing in your life will change. Nothing. Ultimately, it's on us. We love to blame other people. It's why I say stop whining. I spent over half my life being a victim, right? I used my failed marriages, my failed relationships, my mom who passed away when I was 14. I used all of that as an excuse as to why I showed up in my own damn life. So when you take responsibility for yourself and you realize your happiness, by the way, is on you. It's on you. It's on no one else. No one else has to do anything. You need to take full responsibility and then show up like that, doing the small things that you are keeping the promises that you make to yourself. It's so important. It's Mm. betting on yourself, having faith in it. I love that. And I, you know, I want to dig a little bit deeper into that your relationship with your mom and, and that, how that kind of held you back for years and the power of forgiveness. Cause I know that's a really big part of your story. And I think one that a lot of people overlook is the importance of, or the role that forgiveness plays in your life. So you want to dive a little bit into that particular topic? Yeah, absolutely. Forgiveness was another pivotal tool that I used on my own journey. My mom passed away when I was 14. She was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 32 and she passed when she was 36. That in itself had a significant impact on me, losing my mom at such a young age. But what was more important was the relationship that my mom and I had, which was really toxic. I never felt seen or heard by my mom. I don't ever remember my mom telling me that she loved me. 
uh, I really felt like I was in her way. We argued all the time when she was living and people have such a hard time with me sharing this story sometimes because they think that I'm making her wrong and I'm not. I want to be clear that my mom was a product of her childhood. She brought that into her marriage with my dad and then she had kids. And I think what is so important is that my mom just never had a chance to heal. She never, ever had the chance to heal her own really toxic childhood. I took the opportunity five years ago, you know, on my emotional knees to start really looking at my past and particularly that relationship with my mom. It was so profound for me to understand that a lot of the things that I had been bringing to the table of my life were in direct correlation to my mom. I was bringing people to me in relationships that either treated me the way that she did or acted like she did. You cannot imagine how just mind-blowing that was. It was crazy. My willingness to forgive her was really the key to everything. She was my first heartbreak. She was the first person that broke me. All of the stories that I had about that relationship with her, the meaning that I gave to them, it was extremely important for me to forgive her. And I was super willing to do it because I was in so much pain and I just practiced it. Forgiveness isn't this thing that happens in one moment. (laughs) It's your willingness to do it. And it's the practice of forgiveness. But boy, once I was able to forgive her, forgiving everyone else was a piece of cake. Sure. Now, this is probably going to sound like a ridiculous question. This is a question coming from a grown-ass adult. How do you know when you've truly forgiven someone? What does that look Uh, like? uh, You know what? I say this all the time, and I really mean it. When you can look someone in the face, and of course, my mom's gone, but when I can look back on that situation, that relationship, that person, that event, and I can be grateful for the heartbreak that it caused me, you know you failed. Mm, I am so grateful for my mom and I'm grateful for who she was. I often wonder who she could have been, but I would not be one bold MF if it wasn't for my mother. I took all of those incredible things that my mom was. She was super bold. She didn't give a shit what anyone thought about her. She showed up in captivated rooms. She was all those things that I am in so many ways. I have transcended that relationship. And dude, when you forgive someone, I'll tell you the other thing you get power, you get power. You you take your power back because when you don't forgive, you're giving all your power away. So what's interesting is I, um, so my mother has passed away as well. And, um, but not when I was young, right. Is I was well into being, an adult, um, at least in age, maybe not emotionally, but at least in age. And, um, I had a really tumultuous relationship with her. Right. And it's weird how, you know, I find, I question things a lot. I have a high level of self-awareness, right? So I question how I look at things a lot in my, my comprehension and understanding of them with respect to my mom. I, had this relationship with her that was, I was afraid of her. I was afraid of her my entire childhood. Um, She ruled with an iron fist. Her um, weapon of choice was to stop speaking to you, right? She would just, there were times when we would go months without my mother speaking to any of us kids, or maybe she would speak to my oldest brother. She seemed like she was always angry. And it took me a really long time to understand that it wasn't anger. It was probably hurt. It was hurt that she was feeling, um, her, the first child that her and my father had, um, died. And I think I, I suspect, I don't have any proof, but I suspect that, um, she was abused as at some point in her life by a relative, but I also know that I don't know that she ever really properly grieved or recover. She never, she didn't recover from my sister dying, but I honestly think that what she did after that was she was so afraid to fully love somebody because she was afraid of losing them again, that she never allowed herself to do it. So she taught us this really fucked up form of love, right? Mm -hmm. 
And punishment was high on her scale. High. That was a really big thing for her. And, um, you know, as I got older, my relationship with her evolved and changed. But she was always pissed at me about something. And um, her the last summer that she was alive, and I, not a lot of people know this. I'm, uh, I don't even know if you know this story, Michelle. The last summer that my mom was alive, I had just lost my job, and she called me and asked me if I would come and help her clean her house. And I was like, sure. So I was feeling really down on myself. I drove from Pennsylvania to Minnesota to help her. And the minute that I saw her, I knew we were not cleaning her house. I knew she was preparing to die. Mm -hmm. And one of the very last things that she asked me to do that summer was, um, let's see if I can get through this story without crying, because this is a tough one. Um, And I like to think that I have forgiven her for this, right? I'm not angry about it, but I still feel a lot of hurt around this. One of the last things that she asked me to do was to go into the family safe, pull out her, um, her and my dad's wills. Do you know the story? Have I told you this before? Mm-hmm. Pull out their wills and read them to her. Now she was not in con- complete control of her faculties. So before I even tell you what happened next, there was no going back from what was in there. Right. And, um, nor did I make any of such request, but I read those, I read the wills to her and I, I read hers first and I wasn't in it. My sister and I were not in it. My siblings, my, my brothers were in it. My, my nephews were in it. I wasn't in it. And it was like a knife to the heart. And then I read my dad's and I wasn't in that one either. (laughs) And I did, and she noticed it because she said to me, oh, you're not in either will. And I'm like, I'm not. And I sat with her for a little bit longer. And then I got up out of the family room and I went into the dining room and I stood and faced the wall and cried. I was fucking rocked, right? And I didn't want her to, (laughs) I didn't want her to know I was sad. I didn't want, because she was so she was already so close to death. I didn't, I just didn't want to put that on her. I was like, I'd, and I don't know if that was the right move or not. I don't, I really don't. But I can remember leaving that house that day, probably like an hour later and making it to the end. Had, we have a really long driveway where I grew up, making it to the end of the driveway and having to stop because I was crying so hard I couldn't see. And then I got to, um, they live, we lived like seven miles out in the country. I got into town. I stopped at a park, parked my car, called my sister. And, you know, she felt all this hostility. And for me, whenever, like, I'm telling somebody something and I feel like I should be angry about it and they get angry about it, it lessens the likelihood I'll get angry about it because it just removes, like, they've taken that emotion for me. I don't have to waste time on that one. Someone else has that one. And it was just, it took me months, months to really get over that and I don't even know that I get over it's probably not the right word and to be honest with you the last phone call she ever made to me before she passed away I didn't take the call because I was still really really hurt over it mm-hmm. so you know I look back at it now and I think I don't care I don't I don't I don't I truly I don't care about being in the will or not being in the will I don't want anything from either one of them I didn't want anything from her and it didn't matter. Her will went, you know, was null and void because everything went to my dad. But I don't, I don't want, it's this, it's the message that it sends, right? So figuring out like, I'm not mad at her, but how do I know if I've truly forgiven her for that event, for that action? Because that was intended to hurt me. Mm-hmm. How do I know if I've forgiven her? Tell me, Michelle, fix me. <laughs> Well, how do you feel about it today? Um, embarrassed. Im- wait, wait, stop. Why do you feel embarrassed? <laughs> how do you, how do you end up in a situation where y- your parents don't care enough to even put you in their will? So what's the meaning you give to that? Oh, probably, not probably, um, that there's something wrong with me. But is that true? 
Well, there's a lot of things wrong with me to be clear, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, listen, do you feel like there's something wrong with you? Um, I feel like. Or do you believe that your mom loved you as much as she could love you? As much as she was capable of? Yeah. Yeah. I actually think that the problem between me and my mom is that I am my mom. <laughs> Right. I'm really strong willed. I'm fiercely independent. And um, I'm not. I'm not very good at. Loving people the way they need to be loved. I'm really good at loving people the way that I want to be loved. But not the way they need to be, if that makes sense. And I'm sure it does. Yeah. So. um. I st- and I, th- I, that's obviously why I've not really ever told very many people. There aren't a lot of people that know that story um, because it's embarrassing. It's to me, it's, I, it's, it's like, it's embarrassing for me, but it's also, I feel like it's a story that doesn't reflect well on my parents. I don't give a shit what it looks like for my dad, but um, I don't really like so many people just, thought so many people who weren't in our immediate family thought my mom was like the best person and she really was she did so much for other people she couldn't do much for us as kids Mm -hmm. so I don't want to shit on her memory for anybody that's why I haven't really that's why I think I don't tell a lot of people about it but I also it is is it possible to forgive somebody and still be really fucking hurt over it um yeah I think so but I, I really believe that for me, transcending the story that about my mom and how she showed up for me, it was, it was not condoning her behavior. So forgiveness is never condoning someone's behavior. It's really cutting the string from yourself to them. It's taking your power back. And you can give that event any meaning that you want to. It can still hurt you, but can you have empathy for what was going on inside of your mom's mind? Um, who does that to their child <laughs> who isn't hurting on the inside, who isn't angry? Only someone who's truly angry and suffering would ever inflict suffering on someone that is their daughter. That's true. That's a really, really, um, I've, I've never really thought about it like that before, but that's a, that's a great way to, to look at it. Um, okay. Let's, let's move away from that super sad story. And I want to add something before yeah. we move on sharing that story, that story needs to be shared. And I'll tell you why, because there is a woman that's going to listen to this and she's going to have a similar experience and she needs to know that it's okay to tell her truth. Believe that. Mm. You're not shitting on your mom's memory. You're empowering someone else by sharing that and how you're navigating that story. Not well. <laughs> Actually, I feel like, I mean, my mom passed away. It's, it'll be nine years ago in November, right? So, um, and what's weird is, you know, you look back and I'm, I'm curious if you experienced this. Um, I, uh, good grief is really a thing, right? You somebody passes away and you remember only the good stuff about them, right? And you're sharing all these stories, and and I always find myself wondering. Over time, does everything sort of erode to being just good grief, where you you remember the really good things and you just choose not to think about the bad parts of it because it's pointless, like it's they're, they're gone. So why not just hold them in the best regard possible versus the reality of what that person really was or what that person really meant to you? It's all in the meaning that I give the things that happened to me inside that relationship with my mom. I'll tell you one thing, my mom, the way that she showed up for me, and this is way before I started this work, I was so offended by how she treated me and how she made me feel so unseen and unheard and unloved that I never, ever, ever showed up that way for my kids ever. I loved my kids fiercely. There was never a day that went by that I didn't tell them that I loved them, that I appreciated them. I was able to heal that immediately because I knew how that felt. 
And I don't know if I would have been so giving with my love, right? I'm sure I would have loved my kids. I mean, come on, they're my babies. But maybe her, the pain that she gave me, the meaning that I took from that, it allowed me to be the kind of mom that I am. Can I look back and be grateful for that? I'm grateful for it all. I'll be honest. My mom is gone. I don't know what our relationship would be if she was still living, but I'm so grateful for her. And if for nothing else, my mom brought me here. Think about that. You would not be here if it wasn't for your mom. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mom. And if nothing else, I can thank her for that. What was your, what was your mom's name? Mary Fuller. Mary Fuller. We have the same initials. MF. I love it. MF. Yeah. I love it. Um, I used to have a, an ex who every time I would get really like fiery pissed off, my mom was a redhead, right? And her name was Harriet. <laughs> every time I would get really, really mad. And this is when I was, you know, much younger and not great at controlled emotion. And I would just flap the handle over everything. He would be like, okay, Harriet. And I would just lose my shit. Like, stop calling me that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny to think back on now. All right. So you, you have managed to take this journey of really transforming your own life and turning it into a coaching business to help other people, right? So we don't have a ton of time left, but can you tell the listeners what what that looks like? Yeah, so, you know, 41, I settled in life and love. I know how it feels. My clients that I work with, I hear the same thing. They're in relationships that aren't great. They're in jobs that they don't like. They doubt themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and they are just trying to climb that mountain, trying to figure out what am I here for? What should I be doing? How do I step into my purpose? How do I choose me? You do it by saying, I want this. And then you take the small steps towards that person. I always, always have my clients tell me where they are and tell me where they want to be. And my job as a coach is to help you walk that bridge and to support you and frankly, to kick your ass. Love it. People need good, good, good ass kickings every now they and then. They do. They need people to tell them the fucking truth, right? They really do. And I know that, you know, anybody who's going to work with you is, is really lucky and they're definitely going to advance and, and make some big transformational changes. So it's been exciting to see you launch your coaching and you're speaking, you're a speaker and we didn't even mention you're a published author. I am. I am. I wrote a story about my mom in a book. Yeah. You've been doing all the things, which is amazing. Tell our listeners really quick how they can find you. My website is oneboldmf.com. You can find me on Facebook, Michelle Fuller. And you can follow me on Instagram at onebold underscore mf. Nice. All right. Well, we are just about out of time. So I want to thank the listeners for tuning in today. Michelle, thank you for showing up. It's been a wonderful experience. And honestly, it's been nice to just have a little girl talk today. No boys. We all need it, don't we? No boys allowed. Exactly. (laughs) That's what we should name this episode. No boys allowed. (laughs) Be sure to listen to Defeat the Chaos live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. And you can catch the replays at any time. And Michelle, thanks again for for joining me today. I loved having you here and I would love to have you back because this was a great conversation and love to dig in deeper for for our listeners. So thanks again, everybody. And uh, we will see you soon.